You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 195 of PHP Ugly. I'm your host, Eric, and with me, John and Tom. Hello, hello. I said John right in the middle of a drink, and then I remembered, oh, wait, we're not, we're, I'm not waiting for him to respond anymore, then, I don't know. I fumbled that one. No, you didn't. How are we all doing? Uh, well, you were saying before the show, it's been a week. Oh, and man, it's been, it's been, a, been week. a week. It's been a shitty week. Just been one thing after another for for me personally. Like I was telling Thomas before the show started, John, I had to get out of the house this morning. I couldn't I couldn't even stand being in front of the computer. I just I just needed to get out. I needed to see grass. I needed to breathe air. I just had to get away from the desk for just it was just an hour or two, but man, did I need it. Had a guy try to fight me on Saturday. Oh, really? He he only tried to fight you. Only tried to. What, what brought that up? Well, first thing, why are you around strangers who want to fight you? I mean, it was what, a, what are you guys was, doing in that state? It was a small gathering of friends and a Tinder date. <laughs> I hope it wasn't your Tinder date. Was not my Tinder date. Okay, good. That's a, that's a good start. Yeah, but. Uh, I, we were having a lengthy discussion about the political topics of the day, and the words "white privilege" made him incredibly angry. Oh, yes, difficult conversation. Yes, yes, for sure. Well, not really. I mean, it's an easy conversation for me. No, I, have that's no, true. I have I have no problem explaining it to people. I'm <laughs> I'm white and have white privilege, and it's easy for me to just go, "Yeah, here's like the most basic example." But uh, he was he was not on board. To that. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure what uh, his deal was, but but uh, he was escorted out of the house. I'm, I'm sorry. What didn't you get, John? I just don't get why people take such offense to when you tell them. Oh. They have, when you tell a white person they have white privilege, they take offense to it, like you're calling them racist. So, and it's like no. What right. it what you it came down to was he obviously didn't understand the term uh, because he was telling me that he grew up in a poor neighborhood and had it hard his whole life. And he, he was screaming that at me as he was escorted out of the house. And I was <laughs> trying to reply back, uh, that's irrelevant to the statement. But he wasn't hearing it. All right. We're not here to talk about politics, although we're going, we're, I have a feeling we can't help but wiggle down that, uh, that path. But yeah, let's see if we can start off a little bit more positive. Okay. So we started the show with white privilege. Let's, Let's talk about the topic of Master Branch and GitHub's announcement this week. Do we want do we want to go down that path? Yeah, I guess. I Yeah, let's talk about uh GitHub uh has plans on replacing uh the default master branch with a another naming convention. Um do we have any opinions of this or do we care? Uh I, I... I don't see any issue with with changing it. What's what's the harm with if you can make one person feel more inclusive or included? What's wrong with changing a convention that has been set 
but that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I, yeah. I think was, this this is far less of an issue than some people are making it out to be. And I think the people who are making it out to be a giant issue are uh, just full of themselves and need to shut up and listen more. <laughs> so you feel... Okay, so I will play devil's advocate here. I don't care. As long as there's there's a standard and there's an industry standard, I, I don't particularly care. I remember when there was a push to rename the master-slave uh, configuration of disk. Yeah. And... That made sense to me. This doesn't make that much sense to me. I think it's a little bit of a reach. Um, I mean, words have contextual meaning, and the content of how they're being used is, is meaningful. I don't. I never ever associated Master Branch with any racial language. It never even occurred to me. I same way I don't think of Master Bedroom as a racially motivated. Right term or anything else master does have a have a meaning beyond the racial meaning um so contextually i did not see master branch as a problem but again it's not a hill i'm willing to die on i i feel it's a little bit of a reach from github to say hey look we want to do our part but contextually (sighs) The, that was a stretch. It's like, I, I'm not going to applaud you for doing it. If you want to do it, fine, we'll do it. We'll come up with another name if it makes, you know, if, if it's what people want to do. I don't really have that big of an opinion about it, but really don't don't look for a pat on the back for this one because I, I don't really see it that way. That's where we disagree. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, you, I, you disagree? To databases as primary and uh, replicas. Well, again, that that was master slave scenario, so that that has a direct a direct context to slavery. But master branch, master bedroom, master degree, master is used in a lot of different you know places where it doesn't have racial implement you know a racial meaning behind it. I felt master branch was one of those contexts. So again, I'm not worried about changing it. I just I think GitHub was was looking for more of a "yay, thanks for doing this" sort of you know response, and they got they got that, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, you say you felt you felt it was kind of in that context. What? Why would you I have ever thought not, that? Not necessarily that it's in that context. It's more of if, if I would. Oh, I I totally lost you there, John. I yeah. didn't hear a word you just said. I can't hear anything. <laughs> We've we've just lost him completely. <laughs> John's crashing. He's like he's slowly going down, man. I think I, it. I think it God doesn't. Thomas. I think it doesn't really matter. The thing that you have to be aware of are false advocates, um, and this is an issue right now where the opposing group is trying to is trying to say that they represent. BLM or minority interests, when in reality they're making absurdist claims and comments in order to incite people being upset. And, you know, if there are people, I mean, now if you get into the internals group in PHP right now, there is a lot of conversation about this kind of stuff going on about who is it we're representing and are they actually complaining? Do they actually have a problem with what's being used? And if they are, then they should speak up, and then we'll address it when they speak up. But if not, then it's a non-issue. Um, mm-hmm. 
there, you know, there are flaws in that thought process as well. Uh, if you have terminology in your environment that discourages people of color from involving themselves, then you can't ask them to speak up because you're already inherently excluding them in some way. So it's a, it's a common sense balancing act. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to weigh how much it actually matters and how much it actually affects problems, chain, you know, makes, creates problems. Um, you know, you could already dynamically name your, your trunk branch, anything you wanted to mm-hmm. GitHub is just cr- changing the default value. Uh, so it's not going to affect old projects and it'll only affect new projects if they decide to stick with what the default is set to. So it has literally no, you know, unintended consequences. Um, right. and, and Master is among the Git community considered a not the best term, anyways, because trunk far better describes the the intention of that branch. That that was the old uh, uh, CVS uh, terminology, wasn't it? Trunk. Yeah. So, but now what's interesting though is when you do a Git init, it that's what creates the master on your local machine, isn't it? Possibly, I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, it's just a convention. That's what they started out with in Git, mm-hmm. but it, it really does. It really doesn't mean anything, right? So, so the the only point being that if you're using GitHub and it defaults to another name, you have to know to to take care of that locally. And I'll, I'll I assume they'll put they'll put instructions for that for for newbies. I'm not. I mean, obviously, I'm not worried about it. I like to people. I like to make people think I know what I'm doing. John, you seem like you had more more input before we lost you, though. I, I wanted to give you a chance. Now, all I was saying was that if you can make one person feel more included in your organization, there's no reason not to to do that. Interesting. Okay. Quite simply, it's mm. again. Master means nothing in Git. It's just a convention that was set by the creator. I I personally prefer production. You know, I know Trunk was an again or CBS convention, but again, it was a convention. That's what we push to production. So why not have a pr- a production branch, a develop branch, a staging branch, and that's what you use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think the the biggest thing I've seen is the people who are adamantly against it. Where I, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I've seen any of those arguments. Why would somebody be adamantly against it? I mean, what's there to be against? Um, there are. There have are, you seen people on Facebook? Yeah, I mean, there are. There are valid no, concerns. I literally have it. I'm proud of that fact. <laughs> okay, there are valid true. concerns for changing the changing conventions that people are accustomed to, um, but it's the it's the adamantness that that I think is funny because I just look at that person and go, Oh, now I know who you are. But well, it's I, also the people that are so against any sort of yeah. reasons to be politically correct. Uh, all we caught was the politically correct part at the end. Yeah. You're having a rough, you're having a rough go at it today, John. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. So this audio issue. <laughs> It's usually me. I'm usually the one that struggles. So this feels good. It feels good not being me. Yeah, I, I think I, I get the gist of what you were saying uh, or, or where you're where you're going with that, John. Um, yeah, you know, the thing is, is conventions are conventions. I mean, when you start a job at a new company, they're going to, chances are they're going to have a convention and you learn to adapt to that convention, but whatever it is. Yeah. Why? Why they have it is, you know, who, is none of your business. Well, 
I mean, it might be something you can discuss, but it's not really, you don't want to go to a new job and start saying, well, I don't like these conventions. Let's change all this around because, you know, people may not like you. So I've heard, I don't know. I'm not speaking from experience. All right. We've already talked about that too much. I, I, I didn't know if it was a big topic or not. I, I didn't really see the need for it, but again, didn't really care that it was happening, but I did see a lot of conversation about it and, I'm like, ah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So, for the record, although, John, I never did see you send out that notice, but for the record, we're, we're going to be changing our our branches as we get to them and, and start updating, you know, CI tools and things like that uh, internally here at Diego Dev. But, yeah. Yes, Maine was Maine was a one of the ones I heard uh, tossed around a lot as well. Um, somebody mentioned Maine pr- Pride Production Trunk, and there's plenty out there. I think I think that's going to be the thing. And until Git, if Git actually changes it at the command line, and it, that would probably become the convention because everybody's too lazy to change it. But until that happens. I'm not so sure there is going to be a convention. Uh, I mean, just everybody's just going to do whatever's comfortable. I agree with John. We've been we've been doing you know uh, dev test stage, and why not prod? Why not product? I'd, I'd probably go prod just because it's it's shorter. We do dev. I'd probably do prod, but it's like yeah, why wouldn't you do that? It becomes very clear. But I don't know. I'm not worried about it. All right. Also, John, it seems like it's your noise gate. Oh, so somebody, somebody in chat is uh, giving you some information there, John. Yeah, I, I'm. I closed chat down for some reason. My my switching inputs guys go to crap every couple of minutes. It's just a nightmare right now. <laughs> uh, I'll sorry, see in man. Skype that it goes from using my Yeti to something else. It's just crazy. And I see you switched headphones. I, I told you I was having that problem with my headphones. My no, that, this was my fault. They, they were low on battery earlier, and I forgot to charge them. Oh. My fault. Right. No worries. All right. So, uh, so we, we started talking about how, how hellish a week this has been, and I've had a, I had a double dose of just sort of hellish issues. The first one fortunately worked itself out okay. Uh, Deploy HQ went down... Mm-hmm. In the middle of a production deployment. Well, that's good. What are the odds of that happening? Jeez. I don't know, but it. I got no response whatsoever about if the production, if the push succeeded or if it failed. I don't know which tools executed or didn't execute. It just thought that the deployment was still running when it came back up an hour later. So <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, that it. So did it actually screw something up? Because I know with our deployment tools, like it, it doesn't actually switch over until it has a successful, hey, yes, this is deployed. I've confirmed it. I'm switching over to this deployment. It didn't appear to actually break any. It looks like the ah, push was successful. Perfect. It just didn't communicate back to the reporting server. So Yeah. We, it was, we had a fun problem this week as well. Um, the the client... We we jinxed ourselves. Actually, we were just talking last week about how this one client was happy with their product, and we go to deploy it on a server, and they're seeing issues. It's like these little weird little little glitches here and there. 
And it was it was one in particular that really like the developers were like, that doesn't make sense. I should be catching this in dev. There's no way this should be this should be working in my development environment and breaking on the server. And it turned out it was a difference between them testing and it, it wasn't their fault. It was the Docker configuration for that project was set to seven uh, seven two, two and the server was set seven three and apparently between those two versions seven three if if you don't if you don't define a variable that you're passing it it throws an error where in seven two it didn't and it was like are you kidding me like this one little edge case is what we have in our code that this actually caught and it, it was a it was some uh, function call I'm trying I forget to remember what, what it yeah, was, I think, but I think it, no, no, it wasn't a function call. Yeah, well, it was a function call. It, he was actually they were they were they were running compact, which is a Laravel command, mm -hmm. and passing the variables. No, so that it's not Laravel. That's PHP. Compact is PHP. Uh -huh. Really, I never knew that. Yeah. I could be using compact in my straight PHP code. Uh -huh. Well, goddamn! Today I learned this. I thought that was a Laravel convention. That's fantastic. Oh, anyways, they were using... Well, that makes sense, because that's why, you know, <laughs> that's what broke, right? So they weren't they weren't defining one of the variables that they were sending to Compact, which I guess wasn't an issue in 3.2, but in, um, in 7.2, but in 7.3, it chirped and broke. And, of course, the client saw that. They were like, hey, yeah. You know, I know you have a demo. Just want to make sure we get the application to you a couple of days early so you can play with it. Let us know if you have any questions. Yeah, I got a question. Why is this broken? I'm like, ah, uh, what? <laughs> Unfortunately, that was the only problem he saw. He found he found another bug, but we we got them both fixed. So, yeah, I was a bit beside myself when I saw an email saying that he ran into a problem right away. Oh just... man. And so, so were the developers. The the developers had no clue as to why why they weren't seeing the problem. And then one of them figured out, oh hey, look in the release notes in seven three. This is something that they they changed or fixed. I, I guess it was actually a fix. So it wasn't actually a backwards breaking change because it was actually a fix to a bug, but it just made the issue more obvious. <laughs> so it's been a rough week, but. We got through it. I, I still haven't heard from the client if his demos went well. I, I'm really hoping they went well. Yeah, I've had a oh. had a fun bug show up. What was that? We have a, uh, a search field in our site that we're passing through as a uh, an argument to the route, not as a get or a post var. Okay. Well, it turns out that uh, Laravel interprets the URL string. It uh, it does URL decode on it before it runs it against the routes tables. Mm -hmm. So if somebody, if I you know smartly URL encode a slash, then it decodes the slash and it four oh fours because it can't find a route because there's two slashes. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I saw you. I saw you post that that bug report mm -hmm. too. But, but this is in is that URL encoded in. A query parameter, or actually in the URL itself? In the URL itself. So, so this the, is something. Uh, this is something. Confused on why you would have that. They're there. aware of. Or your route is something yeah. like an ID that has a slash in it. It's a it's a search field, so they can insert slashes. But if they insert slashes, I URL encode them so that the search 
passes through successfully because this passes to a backend API. So I do all this sanitization. I get rid of emojis and foreign characters, and then I URL encode stuff, and then I pass it to the backend API, which is also Laravel. And the backend API says, "I can't find that route. There's too many slashes." It's and funny this this uh, this report this bug was reported back in 2014. And yes, and Taylor closed it saying, uh, "Just don't use slashes in the URLs. Use something else." <laughs> But but what's what I was going to say, you know. So it seems like an edge case that you're having it now. But yeah, you see you see conversations about it in 2015, 2017, 2018, as late as December 2019, which it looks like there's there's a person in here who's written a package to help to help yeah as a workaround for this yeah. for this bug because Taylor won't fix it in Gore. No, because it's according to Taylor. This is as intended, which is fucking bizarre. It it is absolutely bizarre that I would URL encode something and then it would be decoded before it hits the routes. And it's just yeah, you're right. It, that shouldn't be That's right. Yeah, I, I was just thinking. I was like, yeah, that why why would you do that? I mean, that that wouldn't even be a security feature, right? It's it's a huge problem. And my and I noticed this because my site gets attacked. I'd say twenty times a day with like SQL injection attempts and stuff like that. Like I see the stuff showing up in Bugsnag and this particular error through a 404 on the API and Guzzle didn't know how to interpret the 404 so it threw a 500 error. So like it's a it's a it's a bug. It's a real actual bug and the response was don't use slashes in your URL. I mean that blows, don't use slashes in your URL. I've seen Laravel's like official websites. There are slashes in the URLs, right? Mm. <laughs> he's not using a hyphen for everything. No, no he's not. That's, that's true. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't his know. point I, was uh, with whatever data you're passing in, don't URL encode a slash. You can still use slashes in your URL, obviously, but don't. He's, he's dictating what your data can be, which is asinine. That's right. So it's totally, cool. totally asinine, totally the wrong answer. And I, I mean, it's, there's like five tickets that reference this, this main ticket where he just was like, yeah, your use case is an edge case. Uh, don't do that. And close the ticket. <laughs> like, like, dude, no, you've got to cover edge cases. You're a framework. <laughs> like, and yeah, this, this is still how it's done. Even up to, I think we're up to 717 today. But just do what I do and stay back on like five one. This, this goes back to five one. This goes back five years, six years. All right, man. I'm gonna tell you, fix it, fix it, and submit a uh, pull request. That that can be closed. Uh, that can be that, no plans to merge. That's that's what that's his big uh, big saying on pull requests that get well, open. No plans and imagine, to merge. Imagine trying to debug this issue too, because I've got what I consider to be perfectly valid data in the URL and it pops back with a 404. Mm-hmm. Like I uh, just so annoying. So it's we talked a- about, we talked about facial recognition last week and uh, that last week on last week with John last week tonight with John Oliver they covered the facial recognition topic, probably because it was in the news, because we talked about it. 
Or, no, it's or because we talked about it. No, yeah. yeah, they listened to the show. I'm sure that's what happened. John? Yeah. Love your show, man. Um, but I don't know. We kind of discussed that we brushed over some of the aspects of facial recognition. Do we want to revisit any of that or just tell everybody to watch John Oliver's show? Because I thought he did a pretty good job with it. Although he doesn't, he doesn't propose solutions like we do. No, I think we covered it well. The, the yeah. one point was he... <laughs> Thomas, he, he was a, yeah, Thomas, you're the one that told me to put it back on the trailer board. <laughs> he, he did he did agree with Thomas and I that... Yeah, that was it, all I wanted needs, him. It, it needs more regulation or be banned completely. I was saying, Thomas doesn't think it needs more regulation. Thomas wants it banned. I want it the- banned by... I want it banned by government use, and I want it extremely restricted in commercial use. Does there are there are absolutely commercial use cases for facial recognition? Um, the the auto friends tagging stuff on Facebook, whether or not you like it, works that's, well. That's what you want. That's what you want to use for. No, but there's can, no reason we to restrict find them missing doing that. and exploited children, and you want to you want it to auto find your friends to tag on Facebook. I assure you, the technology we're using to find missing and exploited children is far more advanced than this. I, I just I don't know if I agree with you because he he used that as one of the examples in his show, but I don't know. Maybe you're right. But okay, well, it sounds like we're not gonna we're still not gonna reach an agreement on this. I I definitely don't <laughs> think it should be banned. Regulations for sure. Oversight a must. Global oversight to some some level. I tell you, after watching the show, I got completely paranoid about private use or commercial use of facial recognition. I think that needs to really be regulated hard. Well, wait till uh, you find out about Tim Hortons. There's that one guy who's like selling it to other governments and won't won't say that he won't necessarily sell to foreign adversaries. Yep. Yep. Uh, The... The big, and if you didn't watch the show, I I do recommend you go watch it. But they were talking about governments and potentially our own government using facial recognition to identify protesters and then going and arresting those protesters, which is a extreme overreach of that technology. Now, it's speculated that happened here in the U.S., but it's known to happen in China. And and some some other countries. I think it's more than speculated. The it I, was, con- I, I it was confirmed that uh, ICE was flying predator drones over the protests. Okay, but that's I mean that's one thing, but that I don't know. I, I don't know if I've heard that it's been confirmed that they use facial recognition to go arrest protesters. Well, no, they're sort of haphazard about arresting protesters. Mm. <laughs> so it, it's that sort of use case that has to have some. St- super strenuous oversight on it in in whether you know talk about the legalities and i don't know man that's a that was a that was a scary one and then some of the commercial use the the one where the guy in the restaurant takes it takes a little side picture of of a of a woman sitting next to him and then all of a sudden he's able to the, the facial recognition is able to identify her and figure out all her social media accounts and you know he was able to do a little cyber stalking that yep. freaked me out. I mean, that was like that's the sort of thing that shouldn't be allowed. But yeah. Uh, on a similar note, Tim Hortons, a uh, journalist in Canada, 
decided he was going to look at the data that Tim, the Tim Hortons app had on him and discovered that uh, it knew where he worked, where he lived, uh, where he went on vacation and how long he was on vacation and everything you could possibly know about a person through tracking their location data. Do you, do you know what Tim Horton is? Yeah, it's a coffee chain like Starbucks up in Canada. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that, now this is that... this is interesting to me because he made a, a PIP EDA request, which is a Canadian request for information. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brings up the question of location tracking apps. Like, why why does every app want your location right now? And it's very monetizable data. Um, so... I was talking to my friend about this, and we were talking about how Apple handles this. A background app on an iPhone consistently asks you if you want to allow location tracking. So if you allow it, and the app is in the background still running, it will say after a few days, hey, do you want Tim Hortons to have your location information? Well, uh, and I know my Android phone not only does that, but like it, it, it even does does it where... In my notifications, it'll keep it up in the notifications, which drives me absolutely bonkers. It's like, hey, here's an example. See if I can get that on the phone. Uh, Right there. Right there. No. It's letting me know the if this, then that app is running, is tracking my location in the background because I have IFTTT uh, jobs that kick off depending on where I'm at. So it continues, and I I know I know it's running back there. I gave it permission, but this notification now is in my notification bar, and it will not let me dismiss it. Well, giving it permission is is the the issue, though. People so frequently just zip through the permission request screen, and uh, Android has improved by adding a allow in background or allow in foreground function, so you mm-hmm. can make sure that an app is only location tracking when it's in the foreground. Right. But uh, the iPhone doesn't do that. I think it might. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, haven't I think it does it. now as well. Okay. But it it really brings up the issue of like, do all these apps need background location tracking? Is that is that something that is really pro consumer? <laughs> Should there be legislation on that kind of tracking? Because there are always going to be people who there are always going to be people who will try to use it maliciously, and then there will be people who just say okay, okay, okay to every dialogue that pops up on their phone mm-hmm. and yeah i know i know my uh my mother's like that my, my that's it that's a good example of what one of the things my mother does it's like oh, you gotta be careful well for a long time with phones you didn't have to be careful that was one of the great things about the smartphone was you're not going to get a virus it's locked down completely nothing no apps get root access but now it's sort of like we have so many permissions and so much functionality that it I could program an app that acted like a virus and fit all of the rules of the app store. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTuber the real Pygon says iOS 13 cracks down on the background. Level. It sounds like it has the, it has the same permissions Android has now, where you can tell it to only only enable when the application's in use. Yeah, but should I yeah. mean, are we? Are we okay as a society that the coffee company that you get your morning coffee from is tracking your location 24-7? Or is that – that seems like some kind of ethical breach in how we allow corporations to operate. If you're a coffee company, you're a coffee company. Don't do this bullshit location tracking stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love when it shows up on the on the morning news every once in a while, and then everyone's like freaking out, like they didn't know that their phone was tracking them. I was like, we've known this for years now. <laughs> right. The nerds have known. Did, did, did you know your, your phone has a hot mic on it too? Did, were you aware of that? Like it's always listening to you? No, don't you know? Just try to say the magic words, and you'll know. Yeah, I have yeah. four hot mics in my current room. Mm-hmm. It's. Yeah, I, and, something. And you're, you're probably the more paranoid among the three of us, and and that's what you have in your room, you know. Right. I, you don't want to know what I have, you know, just on this desk right here. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely don't want to know. You're right. <laughs> oh man. Well, and and I think of this crap every time I I see. I, I bought an air conditioner for this summer for my living room, and I couldn't get a dumb air conditioner. I could only get a Wi-Fi connected smart air conditioner. <laughs> they didn't sell a dumb one. I'm I, sure you could find them, but yeah. Possibly, yeah. but I, I mean, at Home Depot, they sure didn't carry one. I mean, I, I don't think that's necessarily malicious. I think that the the, the technology and, and the cost has reduced so much. It's like, okay, yeah, so it's the air conditioner you put in your window, but why not have an app that you can control the temperature through the app? I make people, I mean, I think that's part of it, but I get what you're saying as well. It's, you know, you just don't know what underlying things may, they may be doing. Yeah, I, it's... I mean, I, I showed you guys a picture a couple of years ago. I went to Walmart, and they were selling and they were selling a smart crock pot. I mean, the whole point of a crock pot is that you turn it on and you can leave it alone for ten hours. Like, well, I want to know where it's at when I'm at work. <laughs> is it still on? How 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 hot is it? Is my stew done? But isn't I mean, yeah, the technology's gotten cheaper and it's cheaper to integrate into all of this stuff, but like as the technology keeps getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, who's to say that they don't have a GPS chip in your air conditioner and so they know which house it's installed in, so they know to go and call you and say, hey, uh, you haven't serviced your air conditioner, you you want that for $30? I mean, that's sure. that, that's the end game of all of these companies. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, and they, they market under better service, right? Right. They're not invading your privacy, they're giving you better service. My TV has ads on it that I can't turn off. <laughs> I mean, that's a problem. I have an issue with that. I what what yeah. brand TV is it? Samsung. It's a high-end Samsung. Oh man. They get paid enough money and there's no competition in that in that market space that it's just everyone has ads on their TV now. Roku puts ads up as well and it's like, uh, you know, I did buy this device from you i am giving you but i don't, <laughs> right. I, I also don't i also don't have a subscription to them so yeah i i don't know man that's weird yeah it's you know if i buy a roku box i feel like you guys should have figured this in on the price of the bot on the little roku thing i bought from you they you did they, they did they're, they're it's 30 extra bucks they're, they're making off of. mm-hmm. I, amazon sells their kindle devices with a an ad and a no ad version. Yeah, I've seen and that. And it's it's upward of a thirty dollar value to them for for allowing ads on your device. Yeah. So I mean, you can't get a smart TV that doesn't have ads on it now because it cuts thirty bucks off the price. And when people are comparison shopping TVs, the first thing they look at is price, not quality. So everyone's trying to shave every cent off of TV. I, I read an article about the margins on big screen TVs right now, and it's very. Very low. It's it's in the oh, tens it, of dollars. 
it's been razor thin. I, that was the industry I was in for a while. It, and even back then, it was razor, razor thin. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not, I'm not saying we should regulate everything, but it sure seems like we need to start regulating a lot more shit. Or, or like I've been saying, man, we just need some sort of, we need to define some sort of oversight committee. Some, not our politicians, because they, they, they're not doing the job. They, they don't know. I don't know. It, it just seems like a natural ev- evolution of technology. We need like a governing body around technology now. I, well, right, right now, we have the oldest government in the history of the United States. Well, tomorrow it'll be the oldest government, but by beating by more. Uh, what's your point? Is that like every every day is the oldest government in the history of no, the United no, no. States? The the people, the the officials. Oh, the, the, the oh, the I president, gotcha. okay. the president, the House, and the Senate are the oldest that they have ever been in history. Gotcha. On average, uh-huh. and and we're dealing with cutting edge technology that is being rolled out overnight to millions of people. Mm-hmm. If there, there's a chart on Reddit that showed how long it took to get 10 million users. And it was like airplanes took 15 years to have 10 million regular users. And Pokemon Go took four hours. Shit, like, we've, been, we, we've been streaming for two years. We, we have like 150. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, think about how much we're setting that curve back. Good God, we're, ter- we're doing a terrible job. Hey, Matt, we can't even get the UN to agree on uh, numerous things. Yes, I, I agree. We, we touched on this last week, yeah. About having a global, some sort of global, and it, it can't be. I, I said government. It can't be government. It has to be some sort of humanitarian sort of organization that does it. Because but then who's going to enforce it? Uh, well, I mean, damn, that's what, stop making good points. Okay, if you're going to make good points, you know, just mute yourself, please. That's what Stallman and and the new project have been trying to do for a long time. Is say like, listen, that's true. As, as this moves forward, your privacy is getting destroyed, and you're just not noticing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think Stallman's a great example because he's a little bit you know extreme. On the, he's the Bernie Sanders of open source. <laughs> he's the wizard I mean, of open source. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's well, true. I mean, so then I get this article that says 845 gigabytes of explicit photos, chats, and more are leaked from dating apps. And it turns out that this one security research group had a tool to just browse for open buckets on S3. <laughs> and they God, found don't the... Don't tell me this. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And it, they found that this one company, this one sort of mega company that owned uh, eight sites or something like that, had just stored everything that was ever sent through their system on an open bucket. Open bucket. Yep. <laughs> and they, they didn't name the company. They did. Um, oh. Some of them, I I, I don't want to say, but uh, oh, it's right here, right? It's herpes yeah, it's right dating. Here. Herpes date. There's a site called Herpes Dating. Cougar X Pal. Herpes should date gay daddy bear. <laughs> oh man, these are some awesome names. G Hunt. So th- these are all apparently owned by Chengdu New Tech Zone. Oh, so they're all they're all owned by the same company, right? Uh, okay. But this is the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, if you're not using Signal 
to send your your communications, you don't know where they're going. And I, you know, I had this article up earlier, and they had. Oh no, I'm sorry. You know, if you if you click through where they published their findings on VPN Mentor, they show some edited photos that they had downloaded. Yeah, 845 gigabytes. That is a lot of data. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, you know, I never had to go on a dating app, so I, I, I don't, I, I can't, I can't understand. But I'm glad. I'm so glad I don't have to date in this in this world. <laughs> I mean, I've yeah, never no dated. Shit. To be honest, I got I got married. I married the the woman I dated in high school. We dated in high school. We dated for a few years after high school. We got married. So like I never had to date as like a real adult. And I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy I didn't have to go through that because man, it seems like such a pain in the ass. How about some coding stuff? Oh please. Please talk to me about coding. I got we got Matt talking about something in chat if you're interested. He says, so I used this one package, and the guy who made it opted to do such a overhaul between 6 and 7 that all my code using it was garbage. <laughs> so I forked it to make my own. Yeah. Well, welcome to welcome to backwards breaking changes, Matt. This is, yeah. Unnecessary. Unnecessary backwards breaking. Because if if six if the 6 Don't branch just Thomas supported started. 7... <laughs> Mr. Wilson, you're right, you're how right. you doing, I buddy? I oh, damn. See? My buddy, Andy, calls me out. I'm sitting here. I'm bad-mouthing dating apps, and that's that's where he found his wife. So now I'm the jerk again. Thank you. I got, you Thank know, you, three-bagger. Appreciate that. I got no problem with that. I found a couple wives on dating apps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thomas, before you go, go into the topic you are going to talk we, a few weeks ago, we talked about using SQLite in your unit tests. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we had yet another issue come up this past week where using SQLite broke unit tests. And it, this one was simply the fact that the interval option in a query. The, the what option? So the, the interval. So interval. So when you're trying to do date calculations, mm-hmm. you use interval to figure out, you know, 60 seconds ago or whatever you want to use SQL and offer that. So it was breaking unit tests. Just uh, something else to think about when you're trying to decide how you're going to run your tests. And I, we forgot to mention that uh, when we talked about it the first time, there was actually an article that one of the people, one of our developers posted in Slack that went along with that. I, I believe I added that to the show notes. So if you look back about a week or two ago, you, you you should probably see sh- in the show notes there was there was an article about about using SQLite in tests, but yeah, I mean, I think I don't use Laravel enough, so I don't know know about testing. But in my other code base that I do my, most of my work in, I try really really hard not to do database tests. And with newer code, I'm very successful at that. How do you yeah. how do you work around not doing database tests? You don't interact directly with the database. You, yeah, you mock you, you, you mock you introduce it. mocks. Uh, if you're using a repository, the repository gives you back mock that repository to say, hey, give me back a user object. And here's what the user object is going to look like. Obviously you can't test your queries at that point, but 
Yeah, I, 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 was, I was gonna say. I mean, that that seems like you're missing a chunk of your testing by doing that. I I, I understand the the concept of mocking and and when to use it, but it just seems like you're missing a a chunk of testing by doing that. Well, you're not supposed it, to be. You're not testing the database. You're testing that your code works. Mm. All right. Well, I mean, I, I had no. this conversation on Tuesday with my friend okay. who is in QA. And he was telling me that his new MacBook took 24 minutes to run his PyCharm tests. He had 2,400 PyCharm tests. Holy crap, how much code does he have? It's not that much code. <laughs> so, I mean, 2,400, 20, that's, that's a lot of tests. I asked him about it, and he said, well, we use testing as our database seeder for our dev environment so it literally goes in and like when you add a user add a record add a report it does all of that functionality every which way it can be done one at a time but pycharm runs it threaded so it still only took 24 minutes mm. but yeah is so, for, so for the using... people out there for the people who are out there who do testing and listen to this let me know if that's insane or not because that feels that's insane, insane. That's insane. insane to me, yeah. For one, you're you're not supposed to rely on your test running in a certain order. So if you're using it to seed your database, you're breaking that already. You're expecting things to run very sequential mm-hmm. sequentially. I yeah, he, has, he has a point there. Where does the rule that you're not supposed to expect it to be in a specific order come from? At least it's within PHP unit. Your your tests are supposed to be isolated where you rely on a specific order. If you if you put your test in your file where you Test one has to run before test two. There's a chance test two is going to break if you're relying on that. They sh- they should be perfectly isolated. And if you can do that, you could run your tests in parallel, right? You could have multiple processes running. There are there are tools out there for PHP unit to run in parallel to help speed your test up. Yeah, hmm. he he has a valid point. It- it, your tests aren't supposed. One test should not be dependent on another test, and it shouldn't be dependent on the order of test either. And mm. to that end, you're testing your code. You're not testing the database itself. So that, if you could that, get that. That piece I out don't of there. know if I buy a hundred percent. I mean, I I think I think in general. See, when you say it, it seems like a good idea. But then I start thinking, well, how many times have have my tests caught something wrong with my database configuration? Because and, you're because you're so used to active record within Laravel Eloquent. This is true. Yeah, I'll, that, I'll give you that. And the, from my little bit I use with Laravel, it's just a, you're using facades, mm-hmm. but they're still creating new objects for you. So you're not injecting data into into your classes. You're just you're basically calling new on an object. Well, you- you can you can use yeah you can use facades without 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 a database like you can have facade create the no, object. I'm not that. I'm not saying that it's that, but we, it's so littered with facades to access your database layer that you're not seeing that you're creating new objects, right? You're just saying, hey, go get me this data. So you can't inject in there. So I, as I'm saying this, I think this is where our disconnect with the repository pattern comes from mm-hmm. the re- repository pattern is supposed to be something you can inject into your into your code and then have that get your data for you instead of saying user first or you know using the eloquent way of getting data out of your database that way through the repository you could inject in a mock to get the data you need without using the database because there should be no reason to to now i shouldn't say there's no reason i use it a lot 
for very complex queries or query builders. So advanced search, for example, I ran into that issue months ago where you can't have more than 64 in a join. Mm. <laughs> All those tests are really hard to make sure you have right by just checking if the SQL matches a pattern. So hitting the actual database is helpful in that case. So, so if you're mocking all your objects and you're not using a database, what what's to catch an error? Like, if you make a change to your database, you know, what what's what is there to catch that error? That oh, hey, no, there's this new column there that's not required. But hey, the you know, the the user test passed because we're not actually hitting the database and doesn't know that that new co- column was added. That's that's a fair point, and I don't have a good answer with okay. eloquent. I have an answer with doctrine. Doctrine makes it, it's assuming you have, there. there's tools that verify that your annotations match up with the schema of the database. Your annotations match up with the schema. So, so the an, annotations are used in the test as well. So it doesn't actually. Not, no, doesn't not, actually, not as part of the test per se. Oh, there's a separate okay. tool that's, that verifies that your entities that the mm-hmm. doc box that you have that says these are my fields and here's their names mm-hmm. matches the actual scheme of the database. So, oh yeah, I can see that. I can see. So that. it's not part of your unit test per se. It's a separate piece of your CI that validates your doctrine entities first, and then your test can run. But but again, you know, let's take the u- the user creation example, right? You know, let's say you add a column. And you think you've 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 touched all the places in your code registration uh, um, update. Yeah, uh, you, know, you think you've touched all the places in your code where user creations happen that may need that extra column. But because you don't you don't actually use that database, you don't actually use those migrations or the database in your test. Unless you remember to go update your test. Your test never knows that. Oh hell yeah, there's another column there. That's a that's a required column. Yeah, that, I don't have a good answer for that. Okay, your doctrine solves that to a point with that tool I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should have tests around your entity up to the point of actually saving, but not actually mm-hmm. testing the save because you're not testing the database. I think I think I'm the solution the solution there is a DBA and proper use of repositories to abstract your database out of your system. Yeah. I mean, I like what John's saying. I, I, I think I've become too... Because de- I, I actually use the, the SQLite in memory for Laravel, and I, and I use it as you know, almost a test for my migrations to you know, make sure I, I haven't screwed up a migration. Or, and like I said, I, I, I catch screw-ups all the time by doing that. So, I mean, I see the benefit, but obviously there's been a lot of, we've discovered a lot of drawbacks recently of using SQLite, and I'm not a so, fan of using a real database either. So I, I could see a benefit of testing just your model to a SQLite where you're not really relying on those, um, the, the edge cases of interval and other things that aren't supported in both. That make, mm-hmm. That'll make sure that your model is correct with the database. Everything else should be be pretty fluid as hmm. far as I'm your testing my testing. So we talked about with the new client we have, and I really wanted to get unit tests, get objects created prior to creating any database schema, because 
that could help drive what the database schema would look like later. And that's kind of what I did with with the criteria and other pieces was get those objects defined, start to figure out how they interact. I didn't stay on top of it. So I I'm, know that a lot of database tests were introduced into that code base. Oh, you didn't, you didn't see the problem from today, did you? Or was it yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah. The, the where, where the, the test ran and it overwrote the database. <laughs> oh yeah. I did see that. I'm like, I'm like, ex- Ex- excuse me what <laughs> well they, it's because they ran the they ran the test in production because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with the difference between dev and production oh no so then they ran the unit test in production it's not i mean it's pre-production it was the client wanted to demo the product today right 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 it was, it was so yesterday it was so we were, terrible we going back and forth that's why that's why you use required dev and composers so that php unit doesn't get installed yeah. Well, well, no, because this uh, to John's point, th- this environment isn't marked as production; it's marked as dev. So it's it's not a production. It it was it was just a server. It's like a wanted... staging server, but meant for the client to be able to demo the product. Right. So the client had access to the product and looked at could, could look at it. Well, what should have happened is a separate database should have been defined in the PHP unit XML. Is what should have happened, but that didn't well, and happen. PHP Unit has like a no commit mode too, where everything is run into transaction and it's rolled back at the end of the test. Yes. How does that's interesting? I wonder it how just, that works with migrations, though. Because it, it, it tests the migrate, it tests after the execution of the the SQL. So mm. the whole the whole of PHP Unit runs in a single transaction, and then just rolls it back. Yeah, the, the, I'm so confused. We're you're saying that's a PHP unit thing? Yeah. It can't it be because a- PHP unit doesn't connect to your database. Your application does. I, I put in database transaction, like begin transaction and, and roll back in my testing suite. So anytime I'm interacting with the database, my setup is a uh, start transaction and my teardown is a rollback. Okay. So this it's a Laravel PHP unit feature. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting a lot, we're getting a lot of uh, feedback in chat about this, Jesse. I assume you're on a delay, so by now you know it wasn't actually a production database. Shutter says DB needs functional tests, but very few. Query has two cases, for example, data found or not found. Eh, that's true. I, I, I we never yeah I, I I never actually test what. Oh, I see what you're saying. So like you'd query data and you say you know. Does this user have an email address? You know, is that in the data? Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. That that does make sense. Yeah. The refresh. Uh, no, the refresh database treats Laravel for for rollback. No, I don't think that's correct. I think it it does a it's basically a DB fresh for each test. I don't think it does a rollback. Uh, perhaps it does, but I, I'm pretty sure it just does a rollback. Or it just does, does a fresh uh, for it. So, yeah the the one that we're talking about is uh, database transactions. Mm. It's an argument. Yeah, whatever. But but still, there shouldn't be an over reliance on it. That's where repositories come in. You can mock it. You should and get back the data you're expecting. You can inject it into your your classes more easily. Yeah, I do. I do think I, I've been too dependent on on including my database as part of the test, like. Again, like I said, I, I was actually, actually very dependent on 
the migrations, like having it kind of go through my migrations, make sure my migrations were correct. So I guess I, I haven't seen your your code lately. I know you're big on repositories, but do you still hit Eloquent directly within, say, your controllers? Or do you uh, do everything to, through, through the repositories? Yeah, I, I try to do things through repositories. Um, so you're injecting yeah. that into your, into the, say, your controller, for into, example. Into the controller, yeah. Then yeah, testing I, should I, be I, super simple at that point. I've been trying to do it. I've been, I've been trying to do a new pattern where... It may maybe this isn't a good idea, but I, I I've been trying not to be over overly dependent on the repository pattern because I know I'm I, I have a tendency to go to that too frequently and especially if it's not actually needed um, or if it's not actually implemented correctly. But so I try to say okay if if I'll make I, I do the rule of what's the, the rule of three I, I call it the rule of three is if I make a call. To a particular database, uh, to a particular model with a particular query, more than twice, I move it to a repository. So that's that's a refactoring pattern of rule yeah. three. But yeah. when it comes to testing, if you are hitting your models directly, that that inherently hits the database, which because you can't if you're doing it through. Um, so repository is better for testing. Yeah, because yes, you, you're going to mock the repository. Fantastic. You pass it. You pass that in, and then you say, hey, the when I ask the repository for or this method, it's going to return this object or this gotcha. collection of objects. So you okay. can mock those a lot easier and then well, use the mocks, and you never hit the database. You just... Yay, repository patterns. I love so, repository patterns. So you, you test the repository separately, and then within your controller or your other code that uses the repository, you assume the repository is well-tested, so you know you're going to get back valid data or mm. exceptions, and then you should handle valid data, valid data, and the exceptions in that case, but not the database at that point. And and one of these days, one of us will actually do this. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't use Laravel, so I get to do it all the time because I'm not reliant on. Oh right. Eloquent because you're not cool. You're you not don't have cool, your sumo why. controllers. Gotta look at my code, man. My code is and hey, I don't know if I told you guys, but uh blade components are awesome. I, I'm, I'm Yeah, for like a half hour last now. week. Oh uh, every 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 week, man. Blade components. <laughs> every week. I'm loving them. You, you gotta you gotta look at my repos. They're they're looking so pretty. All right, this is it. We we've been running, we've been we've been gabbing. I didn't think we had a whole lot to talk about tonight, but it turned out we had a we had a pretty good uh conversation. Uh, going on, we've got a few things uh, queued up for next week, I think. But I think this is good. 195, gentlemen. Our march continues to 200, and at which point I, I have a strong suspicion the world will end. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I believe I, I believe I have a special treat for our 200th episode. Ooh, I do like the tease. Is something you're going to share? Or is it a surprise? It's a surprise. Oh, I like it. All right, well, then five shows away, and, and we'll see what it is. Okay, that's it. 195 in the can. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it, Keep it ugly. ugly. Thanks for listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. 
If you would like to support PHP Ugly, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash phpugly. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in the PHP Ugly Discord channel. Show notes and RSS feed can be found at phpugly.com. To catch the live stream, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash phpugly. You can also subscribe to the edited podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at diegodev.com. Until next week, keep it ugly.